Everybody is looking for Jesus Christ. Everyone is looking for Jesus Christ. Question is, why do so few people in our times seem to find him? A woman, she recently came up to me after one of my homilies and she was quite upset. By no means is that a novel experience for me because I preached a homily that was quite ideal and hopeful and talking about the joy of the gospel and the beauty of life. And she, she came to me in a state of great suffering, a lot of self-hatred, self-loathing, depression, alcoholism. And she says, I know who I am. I know my own brokenness. But what makes me so angry is when I hear an ideal gospel always preached where God is love and life is wonderful and it doesn't correspond to my broken life that I'm experiencing. I'll never forget that because the gospel only works when two truths come together in life. The truth of who we are in our own brokenness and the truth of who Jesus Christ and that is in the gospel that he came to teach us. The psalm proclaimed, praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. And in the gospel, all the sick, the weak, the infirm, the broken, the possessed are being brought to Christ for healing. Everyone is looking for you, the disciples say to Christ. Everyone is looking for Jesus Christ. But the reason so few find him is because Christ is only found in truth, in reality. When I allow the truth of who I am in my brokenness to come into contact with the truth of who Jesus Christ reveals himself to be in reality. That's the essence of every healthy relationship that we'll ever have in our life. If we're dishonest, there can be no real unity between two persons because relationships can only flourish in truth. And that's why they're messy, because we're messy. And to fall in love with anyone is to invite them into your mess. And if you find that you have so much mess within you that you'd be afraid to bring anybody into that, that's when you consider the priesthood, right? (laughs) That's a joke. And one of my favorite movies is uh, Good Will Hunting. And I have to be really careful about what movies I reference because one time I talked about this movie and the next week, I talked about it in a homily, and the next week, uh, kind of a holy roller woman in our parish came up to me, you know, one of those ladies who spends like 10 hours in adoration a week, praying all rosaries every day. And she goes, Father Nathan, I, I watched Goodwill Hunting and I didn't understand why you recommended it. I was like, no! Don't ever watch movies I talk about, okay? Just take the lessons that I give you from them. But this is a really good movie. It just has a lot. It uh, expresses it in some colorful language a lot of the time. So it's about, you know, Matt Damon, he's an orphan, and he grew up rejected by all the people who were supposed to love and care for him. And so he has a really big problem with getting close to anybody because he he's afraid of his own imperfection. So he knows if he gets close enough to anyone, they're going to see it and then they'll reject him. At one point, he has to go to psychiatry with Robin Williams. Kind of the core message of the film comes in a conversation between them as Robin Williams tells him about his relationship with his deceased wife. And he says, you know, my wife, she used to fart in her sleep. She farts so loud she'd wake the dog up. She'd wake herself up. And, you know, she's been five and she's been dead for five years. 
And that's the kind of stuff I think about all the time. And she had all the goods on me too. She knew all my imperfections, all my peccadillos. And that created a world where her and I could exist in that nobody else knew about. And that's what created the intimacy of our relationship. And so, you know something, you're not perfect. And the girl that you're falling in love with, she's not perfect either. Question is, are you perfect for one another? And you'll find that as you share the imperfections of your being with one another. And that's why authentic relationships necessitate living in the vulnerability of our own imperfections in truth. The problem is we live in a world that is choosing ideal fantasy over imperfect reality. A world without vulnerability, without weakness, without infirmity, without brokenness, and therefore without authentic relationship. You know, one of the great weapons against men in our times is pornography. It's because how can one woman in the reality of her one body compete with the thousands of sex objects that a man can find on the internet, right? It's impossible. And men are choosing an ideal virtual relationship in place of the imperfect reality of authentic intimacy with one other human being. There's a flip side to that because one of the greatest assaults against women in our times is actually social media. One of the most dangerous things every woman has in her hand is a camera. Because just as pornography replaces man's desire for physical affection with his partner, so social media replaces a woman's desire for emotional validation from her man. It's like, how can, that's the commodity that a man offers a woman in a relationship, his attention, his love, affection, and validation. But how can one man's validation compete with the thousands of males that a woman's going to find constantly liking her images and her posts on Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat? It's impossible, right? And yet, in our times, so many women are choosing the imperfect reality, the virtual relationships online in place of the imperfect reality of authentic intimacy with one other person. And this can happen with our faith, too. There, there was a time, early years of my priesthood, when I was quite scandalized by so many things that were happening in the church. You know, all the scandals that had broke out in 2018 and whatnot. And I was so tempted to just run away, to go to some monastery, some place with an ideal church where everything was perfect and clean and made sense and was perfectly ordered. And I got in a fight with my spiritual director about this. I was talking to him on the phone and he basically told me that I was a coward and I was trying to run away. And so I hung up on him and I went for a run. And there was, I don't know if there's anything symbolic about that, but I just had to, I was so angry, I had to get the energy out. And as I was running, I had a vision. And it was so strong, I, I just stopped on the side of the road. And all I could see was Jesus and I standing in the middle of this broken city. Like this. Everything was crumbling around us. The, the sky was all red like an atomic bomb had just gone off. And we were standing on top of the rubble. And Jesus was dirty and he was bloody. And he was trying to hold on to me. And I was pushing him away. And I was saying, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this broken city. And he grabbed my face and he looked at me and he said, but this is where I am. I'm in the broken. This is where I live. And if you want to be with me, you have to be willing to find me in the broken. 
I wanted to find Christ in an ideal fantasy church far away, but he refused. He would only be found in the broken rubble of our reality. So everyone is looking for Jesus Christ, but we can only find him in truth, in truth of our broken reality, in the truth of our broken church, and in the truth of our own broken selves. And when we're willing to do that, that's when that encounter can actually take place. And his power can be made perfect in our weakness. And you think about that's exactly what happens every single time we go to confession. I recognize the truth of my insufficiency, the truth of where I'm falling short, the truth of my broken. And I go into the light of God's truth of who I'm called to be. And because I'm in, I enter into that honesty, his mercy is able to find me and little by little recreate me by his touch. But that can only happen in truth. And this is part of the reason, though, why the gospel is losing its power in our times to call people to Jesus Christ. Because as a church, we've become afraid to preach the truth of Jesus Christ in its fullness. As if it were something that we should be ashamed of, as if a doctor should be ashamed of the very medicine he brings to cure the sick. What has gone hand in hand with our denial of our own brokenness as humans has been a denial of Christ's own self-revelation of who he is and the doctrine he came to teach us, turning hard truths into wishful thinking and mere fantasy. That's what that woman was angry at me about, and she had good reason. The gospel only works to save when it is manifested in all its truth. The truth of Christ's revelation. And when we experience that truth for ourselves, that healing in ourselves, then we can truly take it out as a light into the darkness of this world, as something we've tasted and experienced, and that we can offer to others to themselves encounter that healing. To say with conviction, the conviction of love and the conviction for the salvation of souls that the answer to same-sex attraction is not to follow the attraction. It's to encounter Jesus Christ in the truth of his saving word and to be transformed by it. That the answer to the difficulties of marriage is not divorce. It's to encounter Jesus Christ in the truth of his saving word and to be transformed by it. That the answer to the loss of faith in our modern world is not relativism or wishful hope that all men might be saved. It's to encounter Jesus Christ in the truth of his saving word and to allow ourselves to be transformed by it. That the answer to racism, poverty, and gender inequality is not an egalitarian, socialist, Marxist ideology. It's to encounter Jesus Christ in the truth of his saving word and allow ourselves to be transformed by it. And that's our calling as Catholics. Because we can never give what we ourselves have not experienced, what we ourselves do not possess. And if we have not possessed the saving power of his word, of his being in our own selves, how in the world are we ever going to bring that message to those who are truly seeking Jesus Christ? How can we bring that conviction forth if we ourselves have not received it? That's why we don't speak with authority anymore. As if the faith has just become a facade. 
If you haven't experienced it in the depths of your being, you can never share it from the depths of your being to those who are longing for him from the depths of their being. Why one movie I would recommend everyone see is what we watched just before this, A Hidden Life. It's based upon the testimony of Blessed Franz Jagerstadter. He was just named a blessed by Pope Benedict. And he refused to swear loyalty to Hitler, even when his entire village, every other Catholic in his village, every priest and bishop went along with Hitler in his village, and yet he refused. And at one point, he's, there's my favorite scene from the movie, he, he's having a moment of crisis, trying to decide, should he just, is it worth the sacrifice of remaining in the truth when he has so much to lose and nobody else seems to be going with him? With his wife and three children, he'll leave behind if he does it. And he's in this church with this man who paints all the images of Christ and the saints all around their local church. And this is what the painter said to him. I paint the tombs of the prophets. I help people look up from those pews and dream. They look up and they imagine that if they had lived back in Christ's time, they wouldn't have done what the others did. In reality, they would have murdered those whom they now adore. What we do in our faith is just create sympathy. We create admirers. We don't create followers. Christ's life is a demand. We don't want to be reminded of it, so we don't have to see what happens to the truth. You want to know what happens to the truth on this side of paradise. You look at a crucifix. The day Christ went to his death when he stood before Pilate. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, not a mere admirer, is to embody the truth that he came to reveal in our own lives. And that's the drama of our existence. That's the drama of our salvation. To embody the truth of Christ in our own flesh, in everything we do, in everything we say, to paint the true image of Christ's gospel in our life. Not a fantasy, not an ideal, the reality in all its beauty, in all its terror. And you will know it by its seriousness. Everyone is looking for Jesus Christ, but we can only find him when, he seek, when we seek him in truth in the dirty, chaotic, imperfect, broken reality of life. That's where he comes to save us. And that's why in every single Mass we come to, he continues to join us. Not in ideal, not in symbol, not in the fantasy of his presence, but in the reality of his sacrifice, his body given up and his blood poured forth. And if we're willing to encounter him here in the truth of his presence, in the truth of who we are at this moment, in all the good and in all the broken, that's where the relationship is born. That's where the encounter takes place. That's where we can truly grasp the meaning of those words for ourselves, for every other person in this world. 
Everybody is seeking Jesus Christ.